10 lepers who had leprosy, and uh, one of them returned. Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priests, and only one of them who was a Samaritan returned to Jesus and uh, said, I want to say thank you, and fell at his, at his feet, and Jesus asks this question in Luke 17 and verse 17. He, he says this, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Now, it's a question that has a bit of a heartache to it, you know. This, Jesus is saying, ten of you were cleansed, but only one returned. Where, where, where are the other nine? Could they not come back and just say thank you? And it just reinforces the incredible thing that uh, Jesus, the Lord, loves our response of gratitude. Remember, leprosy was one of the most dreaded diseases during that time and went way into the medieval ages. It reduces a person to a hideous wreck, says one historian. So last week we dealt with three of the uh, lepers who didn't return. The get-around-to-it man. The guy who says, yeah, I'm going to do it, but he never gets around to it. His attitude never turns into action. Cynthia Ozick says, we often take for granted the very things that most deserve our gratitude. So make sure that when you've got something to say thank you for, that you actually do it. Then we got to the self-consumed man. He's too busy, caught up with his own ideas, his own opinions, and his own agendas. And then lastly, we dealt with the forgetful man, the guy who forgets so quickly. The Bible says in Psalm 103, forget not his benefits. The Lord has gifted us with so much. I don't think that it's a possible thing to remember all of God's benefits, all, because he's just given us so much. And some of some the things we're not even aware of, but we need to count our blessings on a daily basis, count them one by one, all that God has done. And if you've forgotten the language of gratitude, you'll never be on speaking terms with happiness. So this morning, we are going to continue with that, and I'm going to go as quickly as possible. I might not do all three because of the time situation. I might only do two, but then next week we'll have to cram in the four. So the first, the first aspect about thankfulness and, and, and gratitude is that, you know, in growing up, there, was, there were two words that my parents always used to say. They were magic words. It's please and thank you. Yeah? All parents are please and thank you. What are the magic words? Please. Okay, I got it. Now, what do you say? But, you know, with, with God, the magic words are turned around. We need to say thank you first before we say please. Psalm 100 and verse 4 and 5, it says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's the first approach. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. That's the first responsibility that we have. Thank you before the please. The first thing that comes out of our mouths is thanksgiving and praise. If you thank God for everything, before you even ask him for anything, you'll realize that you deserve nothing. And you'll see the grace of God in those situations. The grace of God all the time. 
We deserve hell. But when we consider the grace of God, that undeserved love, it just overwhelms us and ends us in a place of real gratitude. Gratitude, thankfulness. So the first leper that I'm going to speak about this morning is the leper uh, that was filled with self-pity. Poor me. I deserve this. It's all about me. He's the savior of the world. I mean, what? It's, it's his job to heal. It's his job to save. And he's just filled with self-pity. You know, one of the things that self-pity does, it is a heart-hardening thing. And it has an unmistakable effect on your heart. You can express anger. You shut down emotionally and spiritually. You lash out at people that come across your path, and you think that you've got the right to do that. Self-pity. Self-pity. It's our own selfish, sinful response when things are not going our way. You stick out that bottom lip, ponder on all your hurt, but it's a very selfish sin. And it's a sin that affects other areas as well. You see, somebody said of self-pity, it's a dangerous, deceitful, heart-hardening sin. It is a spiritual deadener. It chokes faith. It drains hope. It kills joy. It smothers love. It fuels anger and robs you of a desire to serve others. And in the 41 years of ministry, we have had to deal sometimes with people who are experiencing self-pity. It's a so totally self-centered emotion. Totally self-centered. Feeling sorry and pity for yourself. It's directed towards you, not towards others. And you are sucked into your own little world. You have a victim mentality. You're self-indulgent. And you dwell on your own sorrows and your own misfortunes. And it's very destructive. One newspaper article in the Independent newspaper said it is as bad for your heart as smoking 20 cigarettes a day. I don't know how they work that out. But you can guess that it's not good for you leads you to emotions of sadness, of anxiety, and hurt. John Piper said, self-pity is the response of pride to suffering. Self-pity says, I deserve admiration because I have sacrificed so much. But in reality, you might have only sacrificed just a tiny bit. Self-pity. It's a response of unapplauded pride and unrecognized entitlement. And it's just the opposite of humility. Humility always says, I want to serve you. But self-pity says, you need to serve me. You need to look at me. And me is the center of the universe at this point. That passage that Skulk read out earlier in First Thessalonians chapter 5, be joyful always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances. 
it says all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A modern version of that verse puts it this way. Ah, be joyful once in a while. Pray now and then. Give thanks when everything is rosy in your garden. And that's the wrong verse. In all circumstances, in all circumstances. Listen, Paul, probably the greatest man that ever walked the face of the earth after Jesus. He had every right to be full of self-pity. But we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 some of the things that he had to endure for the gospel. Listen to some of these things. And he was the one in jail that wrote these words, be joyful, pray, give thanks in all circumstances. Okay? So he had more imprisonments. He's writing to the Corinthians. He said, more imprisonments than any of you. I've had countless beatings. Sometimes I've even been close to death. Five times I've had 40 lashes. Five times. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and left for dead. Three times he's been shipwrecked. And he spent one night and one day in the middle of the ocean. He's had dangers from, river, from rivers, robbers, his own people, Gentiles, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, false brethren. He's been in places of toil and hardship, many sleepless nights of hunger, thirst, cold, overexposure, all for the sake of spreading the gospel. And he's one of God's favorites. But never did he have self-pity. See, God is not interested in giving us an easy life. He's getting us ready for heaven. And He's more intent on producing character in our lives rather than a comfortable life. Those two words, if only, <laughs> they really are stupid words. I must say. If, if only I won the lotto. If only I had a better salary. If only I had a husband who supported me more. If only I had a Christian wife. If only. If I only had a less stressful job. You see, and we go down the road of regret and resentment and unforgiveness. If only. Dumb words. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Ephesians 5, verse 19 and 20. Paul tells us, Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Sure. Experiencing self-pity is destructive. I remember one occasion... And having experienced what I experienced later that day, it radically changed my perspective. So we, we, we were married. We had a child at that point. Medler was involved in the fashion industry, and she was overseas. Uh, and I was looking after this two-year-old, going on three. My mom-in-law was her help. And uh, we had a, a, a play school that we gave Kizia to in the mornings. So I was just thinking... Yeah, here am I, all boo-hoo-hoo, -hoo, looking after this two-year-old while my, my, my wife 
splits all around the world like a, a superstar, you know. A boo-hoo, I'm just in the ministry. A boo-hoo. <laughs> so, so I did some stuff in the morning, did some administration, and then I said, I need to go to the hospital. And I went to the hospital, and it was in 1993. I don't know, some of you older guys might have remembered that terrible attack and that bombing that took place at St. James Church in Kenilworth, where the Azanian People's Liberation Army came in and they uh, just opened fire. I think 11 people were killed and 53 were injured. And they just opened fire and they threw hand grenades and homemade bombs that had just been uh, uh, covered with, with nails. And there was a girl who was studying medicine that was from my dad's church in Durban. My dad said, please go and visit her. And so I went and visited her. I mean, her legs were just shredded. This beautiful girl, probably very athletic, intelligent, doing her medical degree. And I just thought, I'm feeling sorry for myself. This girl might never walk properly again in her life. And then straight after that, I went and I interviewed a couple They'd asked me, they'd been to church a couple of times, but then she had really gotten sick. She had cancer, and she was in hospital. She was on her last, and she, they said, please, ooh, I marry them. I said, are you sure you want to get married? No, you want to get married. So I married them a few days later, and she, we got married, and she didn't come out of hospital. She stayed in hospital, and four days later, she passed away. And I thought, Richard, you, you self-absorbed? little nincompoop. I mean, considering what I've just seen, what I've just spoken to, you're just so self-absorbed. Get over it, guy. Get over it. You know, we should have the attitude of looking for the blessings that God has given to us instead of focusing on the negative things. You know, I'm a preacher. I preach about um, the wonderful events that God did in people's lives, the heroes of the faith. And it's wonderful to see that, what he did in Moses and Joshua and uh, Elijah and Ezekiel. And, I mean, it's just wonderful. But how much more wonderful, that's why we have testimony to see what God has done in each one of our lives. Let's be grateful and let's be thankful. I had a guy, I spoke on gratitude the one year, many years ago. I spoke on gratitude, and he came to me and he says, you know, it's full of self-pity. I'm standing in front of you, and I don't have anything to be grateful for. Okay. You've got a job, yeah, but it's bad, bad salary. But it feeds you. No, but uh, I've got no money left over to actually go to a restaurant and take my family to a restaurant. Okay. I said, now I'm getting cross. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have every right to get cross. I mean, look at my poor history myself. So I said to him, I want to just, just tell you some of the experiences that I've had in the ministry, and I'm going to rattle off some of them now. We, we, we had somebody in our congregation. They, the daughter was playing with a pellet gun, and she opened the gun, put a pellet in, loaded it, and the thing went off. And it went into her mom in the most vulnerable place. Mother was rushed to hospital and she died. I mean, can you imagine the daughter, this little girl, 
Don't, you know, don't play with guns, guys. <laughs> Even pellet guns. On a Sunday afternoon, Middle and I were having a rest, and our telephone rang and said, Corin, this girl, her and George were part, a young couple, had, were part of the congregation. Corin was going to the gym. She's been hit by a motor vehicle, and she's been rushed to hospital. Will I go and pray with the family? So get out of my stupor on a Sunday afternoon, I'll go to the hospital. And she's had serious, serious brain damage, brain injury, and the brain is just swelling. And please, guys, pray, Rich, pray, 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 pray that God, uh, doctor comes in. As they're saying, as they're pleading, the doctor comes in and says, we can do nothing further. We have to turn off the machines. I mean, you, you know the surreal experience that that is when a fiancé who's just been engaged the night before leans over his dying fiancé and kisses her on the lips. I mean, I just thought, what, what is this? Where am I? Surreal. Are you grateful? I had to bail somebody out of Polesmore Prison. I mean, that's not a place you want to be. If I give you any advice, don't commit crime. <laughs> it is, I mean, just the sound, the smells, the, the, the noise, the hands out of the window, I thought there is just no way in creation I will forever be a law-abiding citizen. Having just that experience of bailing one person out. A, a dad says, he's feeling, wakes up and he says, I'm feeling a bit fluey. And he says, I'm going to go for a cycle. And he goes out for a cycle. He says, I'm going to sweat this, sweat this virus out of me. Kilometer down the road, he's dead. I mean, you know what? The family just goes into turmoil. Just incredible turmoil. A young student wakes up. She's on holiday. The family is all out. She decides, I'm going to go for a walk. She was right next to a nature, res nature reserve. She goes for a walk. She's by herself. <laughs> Girls don't walk by yourselves. She's set upon, brutally raped. Just in an instant, your life changes. And you've got the audacity to come here and say, because your salary doesn't cover... You going out to eat? That's pretty audacious of you. Be thankful. Be grateful for all of these incredible, incredible blessings. How am I doing for time? Five minutes left. <laughs> and then the lazy man. The lazy man. A man who, it was just too much effort to go back. You know, maybe if I go back, Jesus is already gone. He's traveling from Samaria to Galilee, and he's passing through, and, you know, maybe he's gone, and I'll just, you know, maybe another day. Maybe somebody's given him a, a donkey to ride on, maybe a camel with eight humps and a big exhaust. I don't know. He's gone. I, 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 I'm not going to bother with that. But turn your attention, turn your attitude into action. Don't be like the lazy man. See, gratitude is a discipline. I want to say that again. Gratitude is a discipline, regardless of feelings. Whiners 
want to feel good before they do the right thing. Winners do the right thing, and then they start feeling good. True gratitude comes from the heart, and it always has legs. Don't be like the lazy guy. Thankfulness comes from the same root as thoughtfulness. And the two are the same. Thankfulness is intimately connected with thoughtfulness. You can't be grateful and not be mindful of somebody else. And that's why you need to think. Who am I going to be grateful for? So let's take, use a couple of examples here. To be verbally thankful. Proverbs 25 verse 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. A word fitly spoken. Proverbs 18 says, Life and death are contained in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat of its fruit. You see, what comes out of your tongue has the potential of life and death. When you speak life into somebody, you do something for that person. You encourage them. You encourage, it's enthuo. You take a little bit of God that you have and you instill that in somebody else. That's what it means. I mean, when last, I'm, I'm glad that Scott, I didn't know that he was going to do that, got us all to stand up. I mean, th there are teams that arrive here at 6.30 on a Sunday morning. We start packing out the sound equipment. Then another team arrives and packs out the chairs. I mean, do you think these chairs are all packed out by Archangel Gabriel and his set of pixies? <laughs> no. I mean, it requires people. When last did you say something to say thank you to these people? When last did you say something of gratitude to your parents? To your children? To your husband? To your wife? When last? I mean... My mom is 87. She had a stroke many years ago and just has become more and more uh, sedate. She, she really finds the moving very, very difficult. My sister is looking after her in Portugal. It is a huge, huge thing for her. I don't think she realized what she was taking on when my mom moved to Portugal over a year ago. But every time I speak to her, I say thank you. I mean, what else can I say? Shakespeare, in that play, King Lear, says this, sharper than a serpent's tooth, it is to have a thankless child. Hmm. Say thank you to your parents. Say thank you to your mate, your partner. Thank you, Snook. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being my friend. It'd be nice to make a decision every six months, though, but without having an opinion given to me. But I mean, no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> you know, love is a dream, marriage is an alarm clock. 
Some say marriages are made in heaven, hmm? but so is thunder and lightning. Hello. <laughs> you like that one, eh? <laughs> I'm registered still. <laughs> The last two words, guys, that you should say after every discussion and every argument, two words. Yes, dear. <laughs> It'll settle things. But say thank you to your husband and your wife for the wonderful things that they've done. How grateful are you? I'm going to finish off now. I'll keep the next one for later. How grateful are you? For all that God has given, all that God has done, how grateful are you to one another for all of God's blessings through that person, those people.